0: In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. In this episode, Nick demonstrates the basics of door painting with Sherwin-Williams' Color of the Year.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, If it feels like we just did this a a day or two ago, it's because we did. We have a crazy schedule. I've been traveling. It's been Brazil. It's been master's classes. It's deer hunting season. My company's made the transition from exterior to interior and a lot is going on right now. Uh, Also, it's November and December. And in my company, I segment segment out quite a bit of my time for planning, ideating, lessons learned from this year, and planning for next year. So we are going to do a midweek Ask a Painter Live and something we haven't done in a while, I'm actually gonna paint something for you, which is really cool. So we have expert shop manager, Brandon, standing by here. Uh, He's gonna be giving me a hand in a little bit. We are in the Slavic shop. If you are interested in seeing the entire build-out of the Slavic shop, you can follow hashtag Slavic shop and see from the second that I moved in to all the work that me, Brandon, and everybody else has been doing in here to make this a world-class finishing facility, including our code-approved spray booth, which took six months and a lot of plumbing and heating and a lot of electrical stuff and it's awesome to do. So uh, today I have been tasked by Sherwin-Williams uh, to do a project uh, with their color of the year, Evergreen Fog. So what I thought would be pretty cool is that I've had a door episode uh, in, the, in the loop, uh, in the queue for quite a while. So I thought we're going to do a couple things here. We're going to go over Sherwin-Williams color of the year. We're also gonna use some emerald trim urethane down here. We're gonna do it two ways. We're gonna spray and we're also gonna do it by hand and I'll show you kind of, you know, how we use those two methods uh, in my business. And we're also gonna do it with the color of the year. So it's kind of this triumvirate. We're gonna do a whole bunch of cool things here. So if you guys have not seen the Sherwin-Williams color of the year evergreen fog, it's really interesting. This is, I believe the 12th time they've picked a color of the year. This one, refreshing, sophisticated, especially after a year like 2020, sort of like reboot, refresh, redo. Um, interestingly enough, I did color consults for 13 years for my business and the, one of the biggest problems with jobs is color. And when we talk about neutrals, many people have open floor plans and they want a neutral color to tie in a lot of the areas, maybe an accent here or there, maybe a crazy colored powder room. Really, you know, when we had discussions about neutral, I always thought of two and a half neutral shades ever. So really there's brown or tan and gray. You have warm and you have cool. Those are kind of the main neutrals that everybody uses. But I almost considered greens and earthy, sagey, kind of neutrally greens as almost like a half neutral color. And you can see I did a little bit of a test pattern back here. The color of the year, evergreen fog, is really that, which is, yes, it is a green. But it is a cool gray green. And technically, depending on the light, like we're in super harsh LED lights in a spray booth the harshest lights you're going to get even more harsh than Home Depot Lowe's uh, Sherwin-Williams stores all those crazy fluorescent LED lights This isn't the typical light you have in a home This color is going to look very much different under these lights than it is under warm light or even natural light and natural light is the best um, sort of signifier about what a color is so my experience with colors like this and evergreen fog is that depending on time of day, depending on type of light, and depending on where you use it and the type of paint and the shine you use it in, it's gonna look different. But it is neutral. It's kind of this weird chameleon-y color where it can be, it can be that sort of um if you think about an art gallery, nobody ever remembers what color the walls were in an art gallery, but they, they weren't bright white, they weren't black, they weren't a neutral color, they were something a linen-y, a subtle color, something like that. It's non-invasive. And so if you think about how they do decorate art, um, art galleries, this is about the same thing, which is this has interest. This is not uh, a redo of an apartment, kind of a stock white or, or an unsophisticated white. It's a neutral, it's got some interest in it, but it's not gonna overtake a room like that. So we are gonna get down to the basics of door painting. And again, Sherwin-Williams has tasked me with using uh, some of their stuff. So I went to shop manager, Brandon. Uh, he helped me get all this set up today. And we're gonna do the standard stuff that we do in our business. We have a Graco 390. We have a Purdy Nylox brush uh, sitting over there, a sprig. That's what we use for uh, trim, enameling, and, and cabinetry and, and things like that. Uh, also, we have Emerald here thing. Uh, we're gonna be using semi-gloss today. Uh, one of the cool things about Emerald Trim Urethane, and this is a product that was introduced a bunch of years ago, we all know and love this stuff. Um, I did one of the first projects in the country to use this stuff on a whole house. It was a new construction project. It was a wilderness cavern in Northern Minnesota that you can actually follow along on uh, Instagram and Facebook and see the progress that we did on it. Uh, but a couple years ago, um, we did all the trim, uh, all the doors in this house with Emerald Trim Urethane. And one of the biggest benefits right away to a business owner and a master craftsman is that it's got a four- hour recoat time. And when we're using old oil enamels and we're using some of the newer hybrids, a lot of the times you go 16 hours and you go overnight for recoat. Imagine me and three or four craftspeople are up in this wilderness cabin in northern Minnesota, away from our friends and families. And if we put a coat of something on that house, we're actually staying in that house in sleeping bags on this construction site. Imagine if all that stuff was wet for 16 to 24 hours and we just twiddled our thumbs. Uh, it took us maybe two or three hours to put one coat on all the trim and doors in the entire house, three levels. Uh, we were moving. And if we could not do a. Um, A four-hour recoat we would have just had to stop sit there in the wilderness of Minnesota which would have been the worst thing but we're there on a mission and then we would have had to start again so uh, the next day and that would have been a huge time loser so one of the things that we did uh, beneficial with this job is we coated an entire house worth of millwork crazy trim beadboard ceilings ornate doors all that crazy stuff twice in an entire day Uh, we turned the fans on we cracked the windows the next day we taped it all off and painted all the walls by hand so it was a wonderful project So when we're talking about doors, I'm gonna move the camera around here a little bit, but I'm gonna show you the most typical way that we paint passage doors in my company. Now there's entry doors and passage doors. Typically what we're gonna do is, I'm gonna show you the two main methods. Um, When we paint walls in houses, uh, typically people have a front door or, or a door to the garage that's a steel fire rated door. It's normally painted the color of the wall. So to me, we can get an amazing finish brushed. We use Sherwin-Williams Duration Matte Wall Paint on them a lot of the time. We can use Emerald Trimurethane. Uh, we can use any number. Sherwin-Williams has tons of products for that sort of thing. Typically, we'll just take a really good brush and brush those things. Uh, for brushing enamels, we'll use a Purdy Nylox, a sprig. Uh, we'll also use our standard wall brush, which is a, a Pro-Alasco, uh, pro uh, which is a two and a half inch straight cut with a nice long handle. Um, when we do whole house trim packages and Brandon has an amazing setup in the shop here, we've developed this over the years. Um, we actually take all the passage doors out, wrap them, transport them to the shop and we do something called pegging the doors. Um, this is the, this must be version six. I think we did. We've tried everything. We have tried everything you can possibly get. We settled on for the last year or two getting hidden shelf brackets from Amazon. Now in a couple weeks, we're actually getting, um, a, a huge shipment of stuff from FastRacks, uh, our amazing friends Michael Halverson over at FastRack. He worked with me to create a custom setup for the entire shop. Now, and over here we have a whole bunch of cabinet drying racks. We got spray racks. He's outfitted our shop initially for everything we need for cabinet doors. Now, in the next two weeks, we will not be using hidden shelf pins anymore. This is the DIY, quick and dirty. You know, uh, we've done this on construction sites in our shop. A couple of these things. Um, you can get a four or six pack for 10 to $20, and we, we peg the doors like that. And what we do is lay them flat here. This allows the door to float so the door's not actually touching the sawhorse. We can spray all the sides, and then we create a system with more sawhorses where we actually stand them upside, uh, straight up and down like this on their sides, and we basically just line them up like this in sawhorses downside of that is you always need two people, and it gets weird when you're trying to move the peg doors around and things like that. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a brand new state-of-the-art Cadillac system of rotisserie stuff, and you guys have seen this in Zach Kenny's shop, I've taken inspiration from a lot of that, where you do have just the middle one here, and there's a rotisserie where you spin it, so that means one person can do it. Then there's a special racking system where you can fit, I think it's between uh, nine and 13 doors all on a racking system. One person can slide it from the rotisserie onto there. Uh, and then move that rack around. So look forward to that, but I take a lot of pride in showing you guys a lot of ways to do this. You don't necessarily need all that crazy racking. I would argue, try some of this stuff out first so then you can appreciate the Cadillac style racking like that. So I'm gonna show you a couple things here. Typically, I'll move this over here. We're gonna do a hand painted door first. Careful not to tip anything (laughs) over here. All right, so, we have a typical door here and I'm going to simulate, um, I didn't have a job site for you guys today, so what we're gonna do is simulate a steel passage door or a passage door in a house. This could be the front door, this could be the door to the garage. Typically, these are hung and they're always painted the color of the wall. Once in a while, if you get a house with a uh, white trim, they may also put a little bit of the white trim paint on there. But when we go through and repaint all the walls in a house, Typically, we're not gonna bring a sprayer in to spray one door like this. We can get an amazing, amazing finish with a brush and the right paint on something like this. So what we do is we swing the door in and the door has basically six sides. You got a top and a bottom. When a door is hung, we're not gonna mess with those. Those are normally sealed at new construction. We have the two big slab sides and the two jam uh, and strike sides like this. If you do doors right, and there's a right and a wrong way to do it, uh, one of these sides will be the outdoor color, one of these sides will be the indoor color. So if a door is going to swing inwards like this, you would take the strike side like this because this is the side that you're going to see. The jam side, when the door moves like this, the jam side is facing outside. So personally, and the way I was taught by Master people is this side and this side, if it swings in, are going to be the interior color. The back side and then the jam side is going to be the exterior color. So what we've done is I'll show you a quick uh, demo here of how we tape off the sides. One is already done here, but what we'll do is we'll slip a drop cloth uh, under the door. We'll swing it into the house and we'll just quick strike a line of tape. I really like to have a nice clean line on the side of the door. For years and years, I used to hand cut these things, but depending on what the last painter did, sometimes you can have an uneasy line. And every one of these doors, they do not come to a perfect 90 like this. There's usually that little bit of like, They bevel the door almost. So you have to create a tape line because that that paint can kind of creep over the edge. So when I tape, I'll typically do the top half like this. You can see I leave the backside loose. You don't need that stuff to adhere like that. And it comes off a lot easier if you do that. But what I'm doing is there's the flat side here, flat side here, and a little bevel. I'm going just around the edge here and going just to the back side of the bevel, maybe a 32nd of an inch. Downside, if you don't do this, is when the door's shut and you tape just to the front edge here and leave this little bit, you're probably going to see this jam side and the client's going to want you to paint it. So what I do is just go just past where it meets flat of the strike side and then push it down really well with your finger like this. Overlap about an inch or two, and you can see I'm, I'm using this hand as the rudder hand to guide the tape, this one to tack it down. I'll just pull that off. Make sure we that, and then just burnish it with your finger there, and that's a really, really good taped edge. And this is uh, this is blue commercial frog tape, so it's got that good stuff on the edge that'll actually stop the paint. Now. When we start painting, a lot of people have different ways to do this. And what I'm gonna show you is the way that I think is the best. Uh, But there are other ways to do this. So typically the principles of painting a door are you want a nice even finish and you want to keep a wet edge just like when you paint a wall. Typically, if you had all the dry time in the world, if we're using oil enamel, I would start with all the inner panels here. And within the inner panels, I would do the little chamfered edges and the detailed edges. I would do the face of the panel itself. I would do the inner rails and styles here, and then I would go back and do the big long styles, uh, the rails right at the end like that. Now, with paints nowadays, uh, they drive very fast. So typically what I'll do is do a modified version of that where I'll do the two panels and then bring the rails and styles. Two panels, rails and styles, two panels, rails and styles. Houses are heated uh, and in Minnesota, the air gets really dry. Um, And typically when I find using either wall paint or even uh, emerald trim thing and things like that, that dry quickly, by the time you get the panels done, it's already starting to dry on top. So again, you do what you think is best for your clients. I'm gonna show you the way that I like to do. That basically guarantees a good outcome every time. So we have our emerald trim thing, We have our Purdy Nylock Sprig. We're doing the chamfered edges first here, just working it in here. This door's got a little grain in it, so I'm just working with that. Do the edges here, and then I just like to make sure that we give it a couple finish strokes like that, because the edges here, as you move the uh, brush across, will actually scrape paint off, and eventually you get a drip. And what I do uh, when you when you eventually work down to the bottom of the door, you come back up and you check all your little lips and you check your corners, make sure everything is good. Well, emerald trim urethane years ago when it came out uh, it was a great um, and still is a great alternative to oil and water so typically uh, what they tried to do with emerald trim urethane was find a great paint a coating that will give you advantages of an oil enamel you know the, the toughness the beauty the sophistication but not the crazy dry time and not the smell and I think they did really really well so this is a water cleanup paint covers really well. I mean, it almost covers like a wall paint. You know, you can see we're going uh, over uh, an off-white door here. It's covering very well. Typically, the downside of enamels are they don't cover well. They're, They're sort of race cars. They're built to do a specific thing, and that specific thing is normally be durable and beautiful. So that's why we go through all the crazy time of prepping, and priming to basically get the color already on there and then cover it with enamel. And the enamel is almost just like the the, uh, top coat, the wear coat, uh, like a clear coat on a car almost. Um, This stuff is drying nice and slow, so I kinda opted to go two more panels down. But uh, if we had a lot of fans moving on a job site, if it was very hot, if, if it was very dry, I typically would just do those top two panels and then uh, bring the rails and styles down with it. So I'll actually be going to Tennessee in a few hours to see my friends Matt and Maggie Kuyper of Harpeth Painting. They are hosting me for the second time for a master's class, and we are going to be going over Perfect Production, which is basically my system from um, when an estimate gets sold, when a job gets sold, all the way to getting it done, producing it profitably. And that's always a good one because it's super nuts and boltsy. And uh, everybody, every business does this, everybody has their own ways to do it. And it's really fun to kind of compare and contrast different systems. And uh, I actually get to do something really cool uh, with the Kuypers. They've actually selected for a brand new master's class that I have not done yet what I've been working on for about two years now, which is building a world-class leadership team. So I basically take you through the last two to three years about how we've built a world-class leadership team. And I actually share everything about it, how we find them, what we're looking for, how they're performing, the comp plans, the deliverables, the KPIs. I share you my meeting agenda that we use to hold each other accountable to. That's a really fun thing. Another nuts and bolts sort of master's class. So lots of fun with that. So I'll be really looking forward to that, especially with Matt and Maggie Kuyper there. They run a business, um, an amazing, amazing business. And I'll be really interested to get their feedback. So, all right, there's a little beveled edge on this door that's a little bit porous. So I'm gonna work some paint into that first and then focus on the face. It's gonna be super intentional about overlapping onto the tape to make sure that we're gonna get a good line and I'm being careful not to do a whole bunch of crazy mismatch uh, uh, brush marks like this. You have to treat, you have to treat these things, even though these doors aren't made out of solid pieces of wood joined together in a traditional way. I still treat them where if a grain goes this way, you keep your brush strokes going that way. All right, I'm gonna blend it right here. Give it a quick finish stroke to get rid of some brush stuff coverage. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be real intentional about getting that porous edge right there, and then work on the face. Tip that off there. I think I judged the dry time just right. When When I'm starting to run a brush around here, this stuff is just starting to get tacky not to the point where it's in its putty phase yet, but just to the point where it's starting to flash off. So I think I timed that right. All right, you can see the panel's already drying a little bit. So I'll make sure that I stay up with it. And the good thing about, you know, like an emerald trimier thing is that you are giving your clients a real enamel on a door, an architectural enamel and uh, it's washable, it's durable, and it dries quick enough where at the end of the day, you can either replace the weather strips, you can take the tape off, and you can shut the door on itself, which is nice, because then you start running into security issues if you can't do that. As soon as we're done with this door here, we'll go over to the sprayer and I'll kind of show you how we do that. Brandon's gonna give me a hand, flipping the door like we do. are super finicky and those who have been around the industry long enough you used to uh, you, you have experience with some of those old enamels where they didn't cover very well they're very sticky and you almost have to like every brush stroke counts with a lot of the new enamels and especially everyone trimming your thing you can put it on like house painted as long as your brush strokes even off like that at the end it gets great coverage and it stays wet just long enough to level off but it doesn't stay wet forever overnight like those old oil enamels. I change the holding of the brush when I get down low just to help my wrist, because you can go like this, but then you've got to tilt your shoulder down. So I typically change the hold. Being careful not to slob over a bunch of the panels here. Stroke just to make sure we get even coverage. Come back, I'm going to hit that edge. Being careful to run my bristles just up to the panel edge. Brush is getting dry. Enough where I can blend in the top and the bottom half of this door. So I timed that one right. Okay, now just looking for drips, looking for sags. Um, If something, if there's a tiny little holiday, if there's a tiny little uh, pore that uh, doesn't get filled, typically I'll just leave it at this point. You don't really want to touch a door up at any paint while it's still kind of in its putty phase or drying phase. You can make some crazy brush marks. So I see a couple little pores up here that on the top edge of that panel. Otherwise, it looks good. This would be a two coater, so typically I would just leave that for the second coat and move on. So you can already see the panel's kind of flashing off, almost dry to the touch, just a little bit tacky there. So really cool to see. Okay, so let's move on to the spray portion now. And I'm gonna walk you through the spray portion and then Brandon's actually gonna turn this thing on. So you're gonna hear a big noise because we basically have a jet engine over the top of this thing. And then I'm gonna spray a door for you. And for demonstration purposes, I am not going to wear a respirator, but you should wear a respirator. Uh, it's a good thing. Uh, if not for the smell, uh, definitely for the particles. So we have a steel entry door here. We have taken the hardware off. The last painter did uh, did not uh, take the hardware off, so the, there's no paint behind there. So we've prepped this thing. Brandon got it all ready. The tape you see right here is covering the bottom weather stripping, the, the rubber stuff here. Brandon was nice enough to tape that off for me. And I'm just gonna basically show you how we spray, and then we're gonna flip and then I'll spray again. Uh, We are using a Graco 390, kind of the uh, standard uh, class painter that we use in the company. we got the emerald trim urethane lined up. we got a 310 FFLP tip, which is our basically go-to tip for trim, cabinetry, and all sorts of other stuff. I've even used them on exteriors because it cuts down on overspray. So, um, all right, I tell you what, we got a whole bunch of comments here. Let me go through these comments, make sure I'm not missing anything here. All right, man, thanks everybody for watching too. <laughs> Michael Holstein, thanks a lot, Nick Brassfield. Oh, happy Veterans Day to you guys too, Michael. Appreciate that. Oh, Justin, that's what you're doing right now. Nice, man, that's awesome. you have to post some pictures when we're done here with this, so. Okay, uh, so what I'll do is, Brandon's gonna be nice enough to flip this guy on. I'm gonna test my pattern off here, and then we'll spray a door. Big air handler on back, kicking in. Nice 72 degree air. Spray booth fired up. Here we go. Oh, man. I usually like adjusting the pattern, but Brandon had this thing pumping perfectly for me. So that's about as good as you're ever going to get right there. Nice, soft edges. Perfectly even throughout. No weird fingers. Good tip, good sprayer, and good maturity. So what I'll do first is uh, we will spray the edges of the door. I'll spray the top, and then Brandon and I will flip it. a little bit for you guys. I want you to be able to see the setup here. There we go. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll talk you through a few things and then um, and then we'll flip the door here. So what I, how we teach our apprentices and Brandon actually teaches a lot of apprentices in here. When you spray, what you don't wanna do is be doing this, right? Because your spray, you're gonna put a lot of paint on here and not a lot at the end, if this is your substrate, if you think about this here. So typically how we teach our people is think about those videos of the auto uh, manufacturers, how they have those robot arms and they spray they basically follow, if you have a curved contour like this, that robot follows the contour exactly, always keeping the gun parallel to it. It never goes like this. It's never swishing and washing and things like that. So it basically just nice follow things. So if you can see the hands like this moving across like this. Think of yourself as a robot. Oh, this is funny. Michael Holstein asked how much pressure. We were just talking about this before. Everybody asked how much pressure. Michael, with respect, there is no pressure gauge on this thing. We teach our apprentices that Move the pressure up till the tails are gone, and that's it. And after that, the number doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter, so. Okay, you ready to flip? All right, oh, on the other end here. All right so pay attention, uh, proper spray technique. You can see, everybody recommends somewhere you know, eight and twelve inches, give or take. I will say, you go however you like. The distance from the substrate to your spray gun, like this, is going to be determined by your rate of speed. I tend to be a little bit speedier with my speed, so I've developed a system over the years where I kind of hold mine pretty close. Especially when you're outside and you get a little breeze going, sometimes I'm only a couple inches from the substrate, but your hands move as fast as they can. Brandon turned off the uh, the spray booth there. There we go, folks. That's it. So thank you so much uh, for watching. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Um, I, like I said, I'm going to be getting on a plane to Tennessee here. Uh, thank you guys for doing a midweek one. Any questions, any comments, any topic you want to talk about, as usual, just list it down below. Uh, I should mention that we are starting to plan for the PCA. I'm going to turn the There we go, brighten that up a little bit. We're starting to plan for the PCA Expo, the big exposition. The first week of March, probably one of the largest gathering of painting contractors in the country will take place in Orlando. And uh, it's gonna be an amazing time. Uh, All the people you know and love from the Painter Facebook area there, um, they're gonna be there. And a lot of us present content. And I will be coming with fresh data, fresh master's classes and everything else in in a more truncated form. They only give me about a half an hour, 45 minutes. But um, I think I just got permission to host a panel and they let me pick some of my favorite people in the industry to sit on that panel and let me roast them a little bit and get some data and feelings out of them. So if you are interested in being around people, this Ask a Painter live show is a self-selecting group of people. this dog whistles to a certain set of our industry, that same set is going to be at that PCA expo. I'll actually be bringing my entire leadership team there so it'll give you a chance to mix it up with my people when we're there and they will get a chance to mix it up with all of you and take stuff away so um, thank you guys for watching if you want more information about the Painting Contractors Association the PCA the longest standing underwriter of this before anybody knew who I was before anybody even watched this show they were on board with this thing because we share the same core values so thank you thank you thank you for watching and everybody, uh, I am not doing this show this Saturday because this is the last weekend of the deer hunting season in Minnesota for the first rifle season. I'll be out there with my family. So. All right, everybody, have a good week. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you at the Expo.
0: Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners.